There is no phone ringing, damn it! What the hell are you talking about? You know what the hell she's talking about? Now, what in hell am I going to tell this boy Shaver's parents? That a substitute nurse assassinated him because she couldn't tell the doctors from the patients on the floor? My God! Okay. You let a woman beat ya. You little tiny nothing. Why did you move closer to me? Closer to Don't, you. Bob. Uh-uh. His name was Jeremiah Johnson. Norma Ray has been working since she was 16. And Jeff Goldblum is the psycho freak who's everywhere the action is. That's outrageous! You try one more goddamn stunt and I'll light up the fucking sky! I'd rather die running than be left here alone. Okay, but remember, serpentine! Absolutely. What a guy. You can fuck the lilies and the roses too. A decade under the influence. No rules, no limits. No wonder these filmmakers changed our world. Coffee wave. Yeah. I have the shame hat today. <laughs> it's true. It's, it's fucked true. up. Listen, whatever happens to you today that is bad, don't worry. It's fucked up and I did it. Probably. Probably. <laughs> today you can feel good about any mistakes you make because it's my fault. Not any. For listening to the Grateful Dead while I took a shit. <laughs> <laughs> It was karaoke related. I do not like the, the Grateful Dead. They suck. Uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, Roots, the miniseries. Yeah, hello and welcome. And it's going to be a review episode, but it's a little different because it's, uh, first of all, it's Roots, so it's its own amazing thing. Yeah. But second, secondly, um, 12 hours We're not going to do it episode by episode. We're just going to, I just got it, wrote a block synopsis and we'll talk about the thing as the whole. Good. I think that's probably the way to do it. I mean, you can it. break it down. You can be like episode two, whatever y'all want to do. Because we are so prepared. Yep. <laughs> Ready to go. Uh, so, um, you're welcome to A Decade Under the Influence, as Ashes would say. Why don't you say some shit? Hello and welcome to an episode of Decade Under the Influence. So smooth. <laughs> Victory's here, too. Hello. So smooth. <laughs> uh, Roots miniseries, 1977. Roots came into our living rooms on January 23rd, 1977 and ran each night for eight days. It has four directors listed on IMDb, though three episodes do not list any dang director, which is uh, fun to think about. Like, hey, no directors here. It's chaos. <laughs> just go wild. <laughs> <laughs> we're, not, we're just in our trailers. Uh, but probably not true. The directors listed are David Green, who you may remember directed our Acid Christ Showcase of 1973's Godspell. And what? No, (laughs) (laughs) And you liked it. You like it. (laughs) All wandering the streets of New York City, take a day off to learn about Jesus and do acid. Uh, And our review of Carol Burnett's 1979 made-for-TV movie film Friendly Fire. Made for TV movie film. (laughs) (laughs) It's a movie film. Look, it's fucked up, and it's my fault. No, it's fine. Uh, We'll see more from David Green, uh, and he directed episode one. Next, we have John Ehrman. Uh, For two great... Oh, for two. He directed uh, episodes uh, two and three. Great TV director. He directed some Star Trek. Uh, Then for three and four... We have, um, maybe he didn't, oh, just he just directed two, not two episodes. Uh, it's coming together slowly. 
At three and four, we have Marvin Chomsky. Whoa. Also, I know, is he related to Gnome? Come on. Also, mostly a TV director. However, he did direct that Dad Steals a Tank to get his son out of jail movie called Tank. Whoa. Oh, I was supposed to say, um, hold on. Supposed to pull it out. Yeah! <laughs> it's got James Garner, and he's fucking going to get his son out of jail with a tank. It's Tank, and I own it. And I brought it with me today. It doesn't super work on radio, but... (laughs) (laughs) That's a nice way of you saying it doesn't work at all. I mean, I enjoyed it. Also, of note for our purposes, we'll see his work in 1980s TV movie Attica, starring Morgan Freeman, and the epic Meryl Streep miniseries Holocaust, 1978. The 1975 film Murph the Surf, and hopefully the buried 1975 film called Attack on Terror, the FBI versus the KKK. I'm like, I must see this movie. Yeah, absolutely. It's three and a half hours long, and I wish to see it. Uh, Shit, Marfin also directed three episodes of Star Trek the original series. But let's carry on to our final director listed here. Gilbert Moses for episode six with Odin and Peter Pan. We remember the name because we've reviewed two of his 70s features, feature films. Um, the Amazing Fish That Saves Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, it's about the kid that gets complete autonomy. And, <laughs> and Willie Dynamite, 1974, with Mother Flippin' Gordon of Sesame Street. That's right. Pimpin'. Quickly, our standout directors here are Jordi LaForge as Kunta Kinte, the, the dad from Good Times, John Amos, as older Kunta, Iron Eagle star, <laughs> cue the Dobbler effect, uh, Louis Gossett Jr. as Fiddler, Mr. Brady as Dr. William Reynolds, a.k.a. slave owner Prick, Chuck Connors, uh... From have, a rifleman. Have ashes make rifleman noise. <laughs> That's pretty good, but if Chuck Connors was still alive in here, he'd be like, that's way too slow. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, Chuck Connors is even worse slave master Tom Moore. God, his hair is bad. More on bad hair later. Commander Adama, a.k.a. Lauren Green, plays John Reynolds. The dad on the Waltons plays Slater. Sandy Duncan slash Peter Pan plays Missy Ann Reynolds. Brad Davis who sucks at smuggling in drugs in Midnight Express. Oh, does he ever? <laughs> uh, he plays Old George. Ed Asner, a.k.a. Mary Tyler Moore's beloved boss, plays an evil piece of white shit, Captain Thomas Davis. <laughs> Vic Morrow, the mean coach in Bad News Bears, plays Ames. Olivia Cole plays Matilda. She rules and died in 2018 at 75. We saw her in Coming Home and Heroes. Oh, it feels so good to get out of there. (laughs) It's a deep cut. Our favorite, Madge Sinclair, plays Belle. She ruled in Convoy and Conrack, Lead Belly, Cornbread Earl and Me, and Star Trek IV. Mm -hmm. Ben Vereen was a close and personal friend of Bob Fosse, and he plays Chick and George. Seriously, though, he's still alive and may kick my ass for not mentioning his work in All That Jazz, 1979, (laughs) and, of course, all Broadway, notably Pippin. Uh, George Stanford Brown is also still alive and plays Tom Harvey. He was in The Man and Colossus, 1970. 
Uh, the Man came out in 1972. Uh, showcase coming soon when we can get a non-shitty VHS oh, copy. That would be of great because that is a terrible. Finally, movie. we have Lloyd Bridges as Evan Brent. I picked also, a dead, bad day. Picked, hey, that's my line. Also, we picked a horrible time to quit sniffing Clue. Okay, here's a quick budget-ass plot summary of the epic miniseries Roots. Okay, so Lou Grant owns a slave boat and is somewhat new to the long-since-running slave gig. I think William Watson helps him. Shit, I forgot William Watson. He was good in this as the evil Garner. Garner shows Ed Asner how to run a slave boat and... Oh my god, Kitty, sorry. Kitty, Kitty's break. Uh, Garner shows Ed Asner how to run a slave boat and catch slaves. Um, oh, catch slaves, R-word them, and everything. A human should burn in hell forever for, if only there was such a thing. So Kunta Kinte lives close to the coast of Gambia in West Africa, and he is busy growing up and a bar mitzvah type manhood on a bar mitzvah type manhood quest. He gets caught, and Lou Grant has remorse and should probably hang himself. Is that too harsh? Nah. Nope. Awful slave boat experience is, of course, downplayed for TV, but not too much, though some stuff is just spoken and not shown. Kunta meets Fiddler, and he is in charge of showing him the ropes and how to serve and survive this unimaginable horror. I believe there was a little revolt, but dang, let's get through this. Also, episode one has the best music of the series from Grammy music master Quincy Jones. Mm -hmm. The music, I think, in our opinion, I think I'm speaking for all of us, falls from grace shortly after. Oh, <laughs> right off. Yes, <laughs> terrible. Episode two has the most remembered scene of Kunta resisting to the brink of death. Um, I'm trying to keep a slave name. We'll get into it. Kunta wants to escape, and IMDb oddly says that puts their friendship to the test. Him and Fiddlers. Yeah. <laughs> That's just words. It's silly. I don't know. They're, all of a sudden, Jordy is... No, 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 no. Go keep going. No, you can. No, it's okay. Okay. I'm almost done. I'm so sorry. All of a sudden, Jordy is gone, and Kunta is completely different. He tries to escape again and gets miseried. He also meets Belle, who serves... Uh, who saves his life. Also, Kunta finds Fanta, uh, uh, who he knew in the village, uh, and Fanta has it really bad. Toby and Fiddler now belong to Mr. Brady, who also says incest is best and all is relative. By 1780, Kunta <laughs> and Belle have Kizzy, who has a white friend. That's going to go great. She is a fucking shit stain who was just slumming. Kizzy falls for Noah, who is rad and is going to escape and doesn't and is tortured till he names Kizzy. In episode six, we have Odin and the Rifleman uh, in a cockfight where Kizzy's child, Chicken George, could win his freedom. Also, Chuck Connors is, of course, the worst piece of white shit and Chicken George's father. Chicken George gets sent to England. Also, I missed the part where Whitey actually lived in fear of John Brown. In 1861, Chicken George returns home, hoping to free his family. It goes great. Hmm. Uh, finally, on the eighth day, the war is over and the South sucks and lost. Lincoln gets shot and freed slaves are not free. Ways are instantly invented to keep them from leaving. Also, the Klan. Uh, Kunta's descendants invent a way to expose them. It goes great. 
In the end, they move to Tennessee, and life gets slowly better-ish until writer Alex Haley writes a book that has turned into a miniseries that the world watches. And I was laughing when I wrote that because when we watched, uh, and we'll talk about it, the documentary um, a year later, remember how they painstakingly said it was like translated into different languages? Oh, yeah. And you're like, are they going to take us through every language? Translated into Japanese, <laughs> show you a scene. <laughs> same scene. So, translated into oh, Spanish, show discuss. you a scene. Discuss. The PR for this was weird. Uh, oh, God. I, I kind of want to start there because I want to start outside and work it work in a little Do bit. Because like all nice. the commercial breaks and things called this like the triumph of the American family. Uh, of an American. Yeah, family. yeah, yeah. No, you're good reframe. And, and I get what, where that's coming from, but that seems like a really weird like take on that to, from from where we start. And I get like my this take is was a... to get it on TV. That wasn't yours. Oh it's no, like, absolutely. Like, you know, the, the suits were like, "Well, you got to do this, and you got to say triumph or whatever." Yeah, right. It like, seems like that. Like how how did America get built? Let's like have. I, I, I get it. It's like like a reframe to like, "Hey, we're here now." Like, so let's let's talk about the perception of this backwards and not like uh, one person. You know, the, the 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 survival of a family through atrocity. Mm. Um, so that that just felt really weird to me. Um, we we watched two different versions of this as we watched it through, uh, because you had like uh, a DVD set and a Blu-ray set. I think I rented a Blu-ray for Movie Madness, but that didn't have the documentary that I wanted to mm-hmm. see. Started watching a new documentary, and they kept showing scenes from one from the period, which serves our purposes, which right. is a year later. So that would have been 1978. But then, it, yeah, you were going to say it combined them, right? Yeah, well, and it, it gave, it combined them, but it also, the, the first one that we watched had, like, the, the commercial breaks. Which was nice. I mean, they it didn't was show nice. commercials. They didn't show the commercials, but they showed, like, the, the promo stuff, you know, in between, or the, the cliffhanger stuff the announcer would say to keep you interested in the show. Yeah. So maybe get both versions? I don't know. It, it's, it's worth seeing, because I think it's an important context for, like how the show was laid out to, to people at the time. Um, I was really surprised watching the wrap-up or the, the documentary, how much, like, it created a conversation, but not the, the way that they focused on it was actually more of a con- conversation around, like, family and genealogy. Uh, and it, it seemed like it stayed a little bit away from, like, the deep conversation of like how slaves got here and which was like the totality of the show like the slave trade leading into like slavery leading into you know the civil war and then and then the aftermath that's true maybe we should have watched the other documentary we still can't but the other documentary was pretty tough and it talked how everybody was influenced by it and how pumped you know African Americans when they watched it got and it seemed like it seemed like the the, the and documentary about what you're talking about we watched was like maybe geared more towards like a white audience or something like maybe um, give us some levity come on <laughs> we watched it <laughs> I really did enjoy like seeing like what what inspired him like you know what what he was looking for in writing that book and like the the different like clue trails and things that he followed 
it like absolutely fucking blew my brains apart like hearing him tell the story of you know, using those language clues that had been passed down through generations to mm-hmm. him and that they to were then correct. find <laughs> the exact fucking tribe that he came from and then go there and meet those people and talk to the village historian and have that like his family story still being told and preserved over there from their side of of what happened she's amazing like, and correct oh my yeah god like, you got it right yeah. yeah i agree with you though but like, yeah the what the story what it did survived show cool. on both sides of the ocean and the way that it was able to like circle back and like they're like they were able to stay connected right to their their ancestors because of those those values that have been passed down it's also like a side of that that i don't think i've ever actually seen in anything else like the like what did oh god cats sorry cats are fighting underneath my feet um the the historical damage that it leaves where where people are stolen from like that village like they're still telling that story that like Damage of like those who were taken, those who were fucking yeah uh, enslaved, and that's that's it, it was interesting because I really even even in the story we didn't really get that until the documentary afterwards. Yeah. Um, now we got that they continued to tell the story, and yes. I'm, I'm, I apologize that I left that out of the recap. That was a big part of it. Oh yeah. Is that like, you know, Kunta resisted being called Toby, but secretly, you know, to his family, he kept. Re- and his ancestors kept repeating, painstakingly repeating the history. And, yeah. you know, they had a few things. They had a word for drum and they had a word for something else. River. The river. And, Kami Balongo. Yeah. And they would, they would say the history and took pride in it. And that mm-hmm. was an important part of the documentary. Yeah. It, which Or in the, the miniseries, excuse me. It's also interesting because, like, I didn't really know what we were going to get. Like, because mm. Roots is one of those things that I think... If you grew up and you're around our age, you know, like, uh, I'm going to give a, a wide swath. Well, you weren't swath. born. I was born. I remember watching this, which is funny because I thought I was six. I was five. If it's January, I was yeah. five. And I remember it. Well, but, like, I... It was on TV when I was little, though. Yeah, I they kept showing it. And, like, they I used it in schools. But I think even if you didn't see it, if you're between, like, 38 and fucking, you know, 60... Like, even if you didn't see it, you have, like, a, a cultural understanding of, of what's in it. The thing that, you know, it's a, t- a made-for-TV movie. I think his fucking paw is stuck, the other one. Uh, no, he got it. Fine. It was. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, it's okay. But it... it I was apologizing to the I audience. was <laughs> kind of thinking that it was going to be, like a little bit more gritty shot, but then to see it, it was like, not that it didn't have like a super impactful story because it did, but it very much came off like, like TV level production at that time, um, which was fine. I think in my head though, somewhat, I, I don't think so. I had made it like a lot. You compare it to, you know, uh, three's company. I mean, no, no, the no, production not, and, not and cinematography story, but, no, but you said gritty and that made me think cinematography and also the cinematography was, I think for television, it looked really good. 
I, no, I, I do and, think it looked and good. And also, you know, had the darkness, and they didn't, they didn't pull a lot of the punches. As I was saying in the recap, some stuff they did speak, because I was like, oh, you know, about stuff that we know from studying it, stuff mm-hmm. that happened on the slave boats, for what we know. We still don't know the full story. But I was like, oh, they mentioned some of it. Yeah, they and did. showed quite a bit of it. I actually thought what they did on the slave boats, like, that whole thing was some... Like that, it, that was done amazing. I thought that was so like, I mean, it was terrible, obviously, but like, showing like how they were just fucking stacked in there. It's interesting using language to try to communicate, having a revolt. Um, yeah, it seemed to have some of the best. It seemed to have, or it had the best music. It seemed to have like one of the better directors. Mm-hmm. Sorry, no offense to the other directors who are great, but it just seemed like they put a lot into the beginning of it. Maybe I think so. But also, that's good. It, it grabbed people, right? It, it pulled people into the story, which was important. It needed to. It needed to have a powerful open. Um, I also liked that they conveyed the horror of the situation without without subjecting you to the like mm, the visual. Yeah, that's true. Like, it was rough. It's, still it's like rough. you you get the the impact of the emotions, like what these you get what the horrors did to the people without being like grotesquely taken through the horror itself like you're you're made to know what it was that happened to the person but the focus is on how it made the person feel right which is a really key difference between i feel like like movies that exploit black suffering for the sake of, you know, entertainment versus something that's more about like humanizing the people who went through it. It's one of the critiques I heard of that show Lovecraft and, and uh, the, what was it? The Watchmen uh, television series. Oh, the TV show. Yeah. I'm so bummed that didn't get a second season. Me too. But I think it's a valid criticism. I mean that it, it, it did focus on like torture and things. I didn't which, get that which so much. Sort of matches know. the grittiness of like the comic. And, so I'm gonna I get it. And I think I'm ready for a rewatch. So maybe I'll think about that watching it again. Hmm. But they said some of that stuff about Django, and I I loved it. As a person of color, I just thought it was a superhero movie that was kind of necessary. It's nice to have, you know. A superhero movie that's taking place in those times. Yeah, no, I was, I, I totally get. When you that. were talking about the emotion of it, I wanted to mention issues with Jango. Whatever, Whitey. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with the white characters in that movie. Jesus like, is in it oof. from Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> I love Django. Like Victory white, feels differently. The white. We've coach. done this before. Let's and we're white, doing it again. The white coach guiding the. Yeah. I mean, it's not Karate Kid, but I I loved it. Oh my god! Black so what were you gonna say though? But, but I was gonna say Django rules. <laughs> Django fight. I was just gonna say uh, it, it. It. I know you're not. You're gonna disagree, but it seemed like you were dissing the documentary, even though I know you weren't. No. Yeah. But because well, I also agree with you that it 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 could have shown, but for what it shown, it was really good. But. I was thinking about the emotional part that I think got all of us when LeVar and oh, yeah. Alex Haley finally find the tombstone. It was just so touching. And we haven't even talked about LeVar yet. 
Yeah. And like how young he was, and it was his first acting that's ins- gig. Yeah, that is like literally was, blew my and how mind. <laughs> he's reading Rainbow and how we love him so much. He's just fabulous in here. And he's he is. seeing him so young. You're, this is the well, youngest you're going to see Jordy. And what a person <laughs> of like. He is like his emotion, his passion mm-hmm. is like the same at 18. As it was in that ready room we watched the other day where he's right. talking about his oh daughters. He's just yeah. an absolutely beautiful character. A mm-hmm. beautiful person who in, who is able to like really just offer so much in, in his acting. Like the, the 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 level of like emotion that he gives in, in his scenes is so it, Yeah, that ready room got me too. Yeah, no, it was just really... Uh, having the actor who plays his other daughter over for Thanksgiving and huh. stuff. Just, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Just brilliant. National treasure. Absolutely. <laughs> and how she had uh, his face. She had Jordy as her Instagram. And he was a little <laughs> bit like, what? And Will Wheaton's like, you know, everyone loves Jordy, right? You know, like, it's not uncommon that people have you on their Facebook. <laughs> Especially, like, like early black like uh celebrities for a young black person to have like as their uh, as their like facebook or something like that that makes yeah. total sense i mean non-toxic non-toxic masculinity yeah offered up so uh, he was amazing in this like he 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 had a really difficult role in this and as his first acting credit like this is phenomenal to like show someone like literally doing a coming of age story that switches to like the most intense slavery story. And then like him, you know, having those moments of trying to keep whatever dignity he can, him trying to run away, him trying to stay strong and tell that story. And it was just like fucking wow. Like you came into this. What an emotional trip that must've been. Oh, seriously. And to have it rooted in somebody's somebody's literal story. You're walking to see, like, the the graveyards. You're walking through those places where all these things happened. And, you know, he mentions that in the documentary, that, like, you know, it's this kind of ghost that walks along with him. And I thought, how could it be anything but that, honestly? Yes. Oh, I mentioned in the, just because there was a lull. I mean, whatever. We can take as long a time as we need to talk about this because we're not, you know, we should touch on the story a little bit more. I was mentioning in the thing I, I would do a little bit more on bad hair. It's just because um, a lot of these, these, these people, especially actors that I like, we all like Ed Asner, and the fact that they agreed to play these evil pieces of white shit uh, was and, and give it what it what it needed yeah even mr brady um but i think a lot of times i i mean i can't prove this but i feel like they gave themselves extra shitty wigs and 
extreme. <laughs> right. You Maybe. know, because Chuck Connors has, like, the worst parted hair. And I was like, well, you're playing the, like, most evilest person. Why not make it even worse with a shitty wig, you know? Yeah. yeah. It just it cracked me The up only one who... I'm looking for... We're looking for a little bit of levity when we watch this because it's heavy. The only one that yeah. really bothered me was Ed Asner. And he took... He had a weird direction with his character as this, like... He, that didn't bother me. The acting? You can't say the acting was The bad. acting was excellent, but his, the, the, he was very much... I liked much, his struggle. Yeah, but it was like, is that like? What a, are you talking about? Make is, it plain. <laughs> like, was that a genuine struggle? Like, or was that written to like sort of like dull the character that he was he was playing a bit? Where it was like, I didn't, you know, I'm complicit in this, but I'm having a really difficult time with it, and I'm like leaning I into alcoholism, that. and I'm doing these things because he was like, oh, I'm this like. Christian and saying that that ain't shit. We're all Christians and we do these evil things. He's like, well, we wouldn't do that. I mean, you know? I suppose they're like, oh yeah, we take these ladies and, and we do this and we do Call that. Call them bed warmers. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, you know, I'm doing God's work. I go to church every Sunday, but I'm on a slave boat. I own a slave boat. I'm I've caught slaves. Yeah. You know, we don't know if he sleeps with them or not, but he probably. Well, they a hundred. We a hundred percent know he, he sleeps slept. with them. Yeah, we don't know if he rapes them. them or yeah, there's sexual assault. But I mean, I don't know how there could not be. And and they they very liked it, strongly he being forced lean to that sleep way. in someone's bed, whether they've stuck their dick in you or not. Is I see what you're sexual saying. Sexual assault. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I see what you're saying because you wouldn't want to diminish. You wouldn't want to feel bad for him. Right, and they, they they pose him a bit as a as this like I didn't questionable get that. Even character. Even though I got it a little bit that like you know, but I I got that from a religious point where it was like you know, I yeah, me too. And I just didn't think it was Christians do the worst things. I know? just didn't think it was it or was can. needed from. I mean, like like you didn't have to do that. You could have had someone competent. Yeah. But you had that character Gardner being like, this is what we do. This is how we do it. Exactly. And in some cases, that's a device writers use because we are Lou Grant in, the, in, a, in, in that to learn how a slave boat works. But you also could have had it from Kunta's point of view or something. Yeah. I don't you want to know, you know, and have it explained to you through characters what's going on. Absolutely. I just didn't think that making a, like a like an understandable character as a white slaver was was something that we needed we didn't need to feel his sorrow like who gives a shit it's very tyler moore's boss i know such a sweetheart i know and and truly an amazing nice kind person um and i and and to your point i think it, it speaks volumes that these folks got involved and were like yeah i will be like the worst person on the planet in your in your television show and not because you know i think i'm gonna make a bunch of money because it didn't sound like it, no, they wanted to tell the story. They wanted to tell the story. Yeah. It was important. And all of them, to a person in the documentaries uh, that we saw, were like, I'm so proud to have my name associated with this. Yeah. And was it on purpose with Mr. Brady? Where it's like, we're going to take what everyone sees as like America's dad, you know, Mr. Brady, and yeah. we're going to turn him into, you know, this incestuous, evil, slave-owning shitbag. Yeah. And it's like, but Mr. Brady, give good advice to Marsha. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I I do think that that complexity is necessary though because, you know, like a lot of supposedly good people were complicit in this. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good point. Like they, you know, these people who were maybe 
I mean, you know, nobody is 100% evil all the time, right? Like, there's people who, you know, maybe 80% of their life they do good things and are nice to people or generous or whatever. Some. But then, Some you know, the but then they, you know, go to work as a prison guard or something, you know, where they torture black people all day mm-hmm. or they're a fucking slave owner or, you know, they commit a heinous fucking crime against humanity. And well, we just lost our prison know, guard. I mean, it's like, <laughs> I mean, straight, I know, get fucked. There was like a lot of people who worked at Auschwitz who thought that they were good people and I guess you know, were pillars of their fucking community and were, you know, these monsters that were complicit in a fucking horrific crime. I just think you could have shown it differently. Like, I understand, I, and, I, and to your point, I think that makes a ton of sense. Like, I, I think people need to see the complexity of it. And... You I, need to be able to see yourself and how you could be put in a situation where you might have terrible judgment and commit a terrible crime because that is how these things happen, right? Like people, true. It is everyday people who commit these things because, you know, you just... you've you figure out your justifications you get you know socially pressured societally pressured or you know maybe it's a financial incentive or something like it's important that people see realistic motivations for these things so that they can stop and take a breath for a fucking second and realize like what they are complicit in right fucking now in this day and age that's actually a really good point that does make me rethink Oh, I'm sorry. What happened at the end? I keep calling him Lou Grant, and it's not Lou Grant. He's not Ed Asner. His character was Ames, because I was. Oh, like, he dies on the. He dies on the the, the, the competent slaver, right? No, Lou, no, uh, Lou Grant, the the slave master, the guy that we were talking about that you were saying, you know, that has remorse. Oh, that's Lou Grant. That's not Ed Asner. L- Lou Grant is the character that he played in Mary Tyler Moore. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Everyone knows him as Lou Grant, but his name, his character's name is Ames. Uh, the thing Does he, he commit suicide? No. Because in my mind, I was like, following that character's arc, who feels remorseful, he would go home and be like, whoa, I'm terrible. I'm no, we, we, we lose his thread when he lands in Annapolis. Well, and... I'd like to say he commits suicide. <laughs> and <laughs> At some point, you have to be. <laughs> that, that... Also, when Victor was saying that some people are like, you know, people are complex, I was like, well, not Gigi Allen. I was like, C.J. Allen was just <laughs> shitty. Because I had a conversation with someone recently again. He was like, what is music? And I was like, his music is the absolute worst. <laughs> I can't think of any redeeming thing that, that he ever did that was good. Maybe he was nice to his mother one Tuesday. One Tuesday. <laughs> but there are some sociopaths or whatever who are just evil almost all the time. It's true. But what you're saying is true, too. I just, that popped no, in my and, head. And, but, but to <laughs> your point, I think it's... it's, it's Maybe it is important that they, they, they went about that in the way they did because that is not really the only character that they give us where we're like, oh, I think here's, so. Here's yeah. like yeah. your struggle with, with this. And, there, and the, the. I mean, he looked like he was on competent... crack all the time. He had these red eyes. Well, and he, or was it, it was because it was he had pro- scurvy? Think, no, it was a progression. It was yeah. him like 
really struggling with it, and the other guy who is competent with it is constantly Garner. feeding him. Yes, thank you. Is constantly feeding him these like notions of like, no, no, no. This is the natural order. This is yeah, how things are supposed to be. Exactly. He was feeding. Him. I was like, feel okay about it. This is good. Yeah. This is just. Yeah. I also think like some important context for the time period that Roots came out mm-hmm. is that this is like when all of that social psychology research was coming out about how most of like the the most significantly horrific events in human history have been perpetrated by you know the 80 percent of people who will just go along Mm -hmm. who will just participate be complicit won't even think about the implications of what they're doing it's only like 20 percent of people who might stop and be like wait a minute is this consistent with my values and of those there's still a percentage that will still go against their own values just because they perceive that they're going against some sort of social norm or social pressure Mm -hmm. and and so like i think probably the writers were were considering that when creating these characters and like how they were finding that like the only thing that could keep a person from uh from going along with these like this this social phenomena that that was being newly discovered at that time like the only antidotes that they knew of was to portray people who had done really bad things as complex people Mm -hmm. like if you see people who've done a bad thing as only villains that like everything that they do is bad then you can easily justify doing a horrific thing to other people by by telling yourself well i'm not a bad person i do all these nice things and i you know i follow these social norms or i'm consistent with these sets of values um you know i may not you know like follow my values in this one way but that doesn't make me a bad person when it clearly does right (laughs) so yeah absolutely it does make you a bad person that you did this fucking terrible 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 thing which is why you don't have to be a, a completely bad person for that to be a horrific thing that you're a terrible person for totally <laughs> the thing that i the, the way that they did that that i really appreciated and was a little bit different later was with the slave owners who were like not the worst slave owners like like mr brady or uh the guy after them who who they were they were on the not connors but the but anyway like well, they were there was a dama there was you know Lauren green was one right Vic but, morrow was one right but they they like they was played he those, also on the boat <laughs> they played those people as like oh we're slave owners but you know we're we're pretty nice people we're you know upstanding in these ways we're doing these things Until, yeah. and then like the reflection yeah, no, and all of them, like, engaged in all of the stuff. You know, like, they had Kuta's foot cut off. They sold sold uh, his daughter. They, you know... Chuck they, Connors. They, they the, did all these... The fu- sexual assault. Yeah. And, you know, there was, like, the... 
there would always be a character who would be like, yeah, you were better than some, but you're still a piece of shit. You know, yeah. <laughs> you're still mm-hmm. fucking slave owner. Like, you don't get any kudos for just being the best of the worst people. Yeah. Even though you're just doing the thing that you're doing better with the terrible situation than everyone else is doing, you're still fucking terrible. Yeah, you're still making terrible choices. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the clearest memory of. um, So the woman that I think he liked or was matched with or Mm -hmm. whatever when he was in in Africa, and he finds her. What was her name? No, not was it Izzy? No, no, it's something. Okay, what was it? I said it in the recap, but anyway, when Fanta. he Fanta, Fanta, yeah, because it was a fucking soft drink. Yeah, when he finds Fanta, I just remember I think that she was treated really bad. Like, she, yeah, she was very, very afraid, and like the the home that she was at was obviously incredibly abusive, and and she was working as like basically as like a sexual servant. I think for so. the for the master, but she was changed and one of the imdb reviews was like oh it finds that she's different or whatever well, she's, I, yeah she's just inc- i can't remember if incredibly it was abused ptsd or if it was just like complete denial because of the ptsd i don't remember i think she just plays it off as, as I trying she's... to think because they they go into it but they they move on pretty fast yeah because well, he's not they're not really allowed to go anywhere the fact that he was able to visit a different plantation to try and was find. because he ran away Oh, oh yeah, when he ran away. Oh, my God. He yeah, ran away. Because yeah. at one point he, they did visit a plantation. But, yeah, he runs away and he finds her. Mm-hmm. And then, like, spends the night with her and is like, And he's Let's trying to away. convince her. Yeah, he's trying to convince her to run away. And she's she like, oh, no. And he's also like, she's also like, you know, that's not my name anymore. Mm-hmm. My slave name is my name. And, and she's like, I'm just trying to survive. Survive, yeah. Like, you're... You're fucking around, and it's going to get you killed, and that's going to get me killed, and I'm just trying to survive, so fuck off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think uh, the white friend that Kizzy has, I think that was Peter Pan. I think that was played yeah. by Sandy yeah. Duncan. Yeah. And I liked her arc a yeah. little bit, because it was like, I relate to you, da, 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 but I still have privilege, and when I need to fuck off, I'll, I'll fuck I'll off. I'll always be there for you, Kizzy. Yeah, and then, no, and then later on, when she was elderly, didn't even remember her. Oh, she... Oh, she, she did. definitely remembered. She, she just did. didn't. She was that, just both parts passive aggressively insulting yeah, no, her. Yeah, no, that's true. No, I like the I like I took it. I can take it differently now or whatever. But I I took it as like I just literally don't remember you. Yeah, my mine was like you meant that little to me. Uh, see, I think for me, like what that scene was really supposed to be driving in was like. I know my place now, and it was never with you. That was like childish, mm-hmm. like nonsense, like. You are like low shit, and I'm never going to admit that that happened. And so many of those scenes, you know, I know you have whatever beef you do with Django, but so many of those scenes are what you, what I enjoyed in Django, and what when mm. you're watching these kind of movies, you think about like, what if I just went in time and showed up with a submachine gun <laughs> and just started mowing these and shot up. fucking Sandy Duncan's character in the face a billion times? <laughs> and so when you get those kind of scenes in Django, you're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those are the cool parts of yes. the, the, the other parts where they like play with blackface characters, not so much. Yeah, I think it's it, it, uh, it comes back to the same sort of like I spit on your grave sort of movies Ooh, that are like. How dare you bring that up? Well, I I, I don't think that they're. I think it's it, it's. And you can't compare same, Django to that. 
A little bit because oh, the genre yeah, of like of like revenge movies of like this terrible fucking thing. Oh, I understand. Because he did the same thing with World War Two when they're shooting Hitler a billion times. I know. That I know. felt good. It did feel good, <laughs> and I, I totally yeah, get what there's you're saying. Yeah, wrong with that. Part. And that's okay for an entertainment kind of thing. Yeah, a superhero movie. It's more just like the that he finds empowerment through. A white coach, which is like oh, a that's a German, whole. German, but I love that actor. Oh, he's so good. Oh, he's like, great. <laughs> um, but that that's like a whole problematic thing. Like the way that the black women are characters are are treated is also like very. It's like there's a lot of minstrelsy in there. Oh, I like that. And it's word. like not in a in a enlightened kind of way. It's just like a white Stop writer it. like maybe meaning well question mark but falling yeah. right back into like blackface caricatures and like problematic racist tropes and stuff yeah oh. and it's like still loved it means to be empowering but just I'll watch it again we can make a better one <laughs> and if the, yeah, if the exactly. German Someone character should do it better <laughs> there's so much I loved in it though I mean I liked the Broomhilda story and stuff and that he was German. They, if they had made him a person of color, I would have been fine with that too. But mm-hmm. a lot of it is that that I would really, have been a, a world really better. liked that actor. <laughs> yeah, and I, I get what you're saying though. Like when you're watching Roots, when you're watch... watching Roots, and you're like, because as a little kid, I remember having that feeling. Yeah, her. yeah. <laughs> and then we would talk about that in school. You know, and I think they've they've talked about it in TV and movies where people would be like, well, I would never be a slave. I would go in and I would shoot this and I would do that and I would never submit. And You're like, yeah, you like, would. I'd yeah, find a gun. And at one point, he does find a gun. We could talk about that. He literally know? does, yeah. And then at one point, they're like, oh, he's going to unbury, he's going to unearth the gun and shoot him. And, and they have like real conversations about like, mm-hmm. if you do that, you know this will, like, it's ripples in water. It's going to fucking like, you're gonna end up dead. We're gonna end up dead. Yeah. Like it is a curse. Like yeah, there's which is what Fanta said too. No, it totally is. And I'm really also incredibly glad they showed the the John Brown stuff in there. Though. I love that, yeah. especially when Chuck Connors and his wife, or especially his wife, yeah, she's just scared, fucking just <laughs> petrified. And they don't even know what's going on. Yeah. And and they, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. They I mean, it's know. like super powerful that people are willing to sacrifice their lives and do that kind of resistance. And like, and you know, we also know from research that people who did resist were were actually more likely to survive. And the reality is that the majority of people would be too afraid of sacrificing their own life, or or even risking that um for the greater good right like well and, and one of the things that they really drove drove home in in roots was that like rare like they would take someone's life and, and it could be meaningless but more often than not they would just put you through terrible torture and make mm-hmm. you an example yeah they'd bring everybody out whip you within a fucking inch of your life make everyone caretake you in yeah. addition to their other their other chores like i get and i get especially people wanting to feel safe and be like i would rather be dead i would rise up i would do these things and yeah i would i want to say that that's how i would respond too but 
But when you're faced with that level of systematic psychological warfare. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think, I mean, I mean, I know most people, you know, don't learn about or study the psychological warfare of American slavery. Well, and the and prison so, system, like, too. Yeah. Right. Because right. that reminds me it's, of a George Jackson quote about that. Like, there's only a, one way that a, a small group of armed people can lord over a large group of unarmed people, and they have to do that psychological shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also pit people against and, each and other. And sociological, too. Like, it's psychological on the individual level, and it's sociological warfare. Like, all of the stories that were created... I mean, we even have the fucking meeting minutes from slave owners meeting together to figure out what sort of popular narratives they're going to create to not only justify slavery but to psychologically break uh, folks who are enslaved from fantasizing about getting free or getting to the north and things like that and like you know that's where you get like the roots of like um, you know the the narrative that black women are so hypersexual that they're unrapeable you get um you get the you know like the the stud characters you get the thug characters all of that is rooted in intentionally created narratives by slave owners who are trying to fight abolition and an increasing like enslaved population that was becoming increasingly aware of the the possibility of freedom and someone and kept good notes they did they did yeah. they literally kept the meeting minutes and so now we can look back on that and go oh that's where you know that story that character in the same exact fucking characters and stories that survive to this day in our most popular television shows and movies without us even fucking thinking about it because it's just been so deeply ingrained in our culture and passed on so much. And like people have internalized it about themselves. I mean, it's just like, that's the piece that I think a lot, a lot of the American public are missing when they see stories about slavery and they think, oh, you know, well, well, I, I wouldn't do this or I wouldn't do that or I'd get out of that or, you know, I'd never put up with. It's like, bullshit. You, you don't even lift a fucking finger to do anything about it right now. <laughs> and this is like the minor leagues version of it. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> we just watched something the other day. It was like a comedian going to the South and like, who I forget who it was. It was like Chelsea, Chelsea Handler something, or something. Yeah. But like, and I liked that. There was a, there was a. They went and like visited these like, this like Southern days. I don't know what the fuck it was. Some event, and they were out there and like these folks were like, oh yeah, yeah, you, you know, definitely my my relatives owned slaves and blah blah blah. But they treated them nice. They did you know this that and the other. <laughs> and she did like a tractor analogy. It was like, it was. Oh, if you bought yeah. a tractor, you wouldn't fucking like. <laughs> kick it or ruin it that's an investment like oh but like said humans the thing that stood out to me the the 
the starkest in that was like you know, she challenges these people's thoughts at all on that yeah. and they're like the lady like immediately starts crying and is like why are you being so abusive and mean and, and it's like <laughs> what are you talking about like you have a completely pretend view of the world and yeah. like i know it's core to you because you're still down here fucking swinging southern flags and like acting a fool but like yeah, and it's also like white fragility as de- defense. It was just start like, well, yeah, to see. Saying, tears. Oh, it wasn't that bad. And maybe a couple of them kicked him, and but oh, like it's in like the millions to see that, to see that in contrast <laughs> yes. to like when it was this seventy nine, seventy six. When is this? Seventy seven. Seventy seven. January. Uh, this is a conversation that. The country had, and I really liked the the documentary pulling it out bigger, being like, this was like the most watched television program ever. Oh, yeah. Like, like fuck your Super Bowls, fuck your, like, whatever. <laughs> this drew the people in. Which is another reason I think we like the 70s. There's certain things about it that yeah. have immense warts and shit, but also, you've said this before, the, the willingness to, to dialogue about it. Yeah. At least talk about it like let's let's look so at it that's why i'm always like well i'm still grateful and impressed that this even got made and that they showed as much as they did on tv not yeah and not just made right promo built up yeah. like they did the work to make it like powerful so that people would show up and and check it out i mean it was funny to see like them being like, yeah, sports bars canceled watching sports so that they could they could <laughs> watch they roots. It. And then, yeah, there's all these like sports dudes like, whoa, <laughs> like, George, Ben Vereen. And it's just <laughs> it, it is. It's funny how long ago that was and how broken everything still is. How that conversation. Yeah. Well, there was a '80s backlash too. Huge, I and a saying, '90s backlash. I was thinking and a teens of, backlash. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking of um, the day after, and I, it was like 1985, and it was about nuclear war. Starts, starts fucking John, uh, Steve Gutenberg, and uh, shit, the guy who became a tree, whatever that actor's name is. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and you know they were like, uh, you know, uh, walk, go home. And watch it tonight, and there'll be a counselor here tomorrow or whatever to talk about your feelings about it. And it's funny, I watched it, and it was intense. Jason Robards. Mm. And it was intense, and I remember being really scared. And I, then we talked about it the next day, and this, this other student was talking about a scene that she saw that traumatized her. You know, this person, it was kind of like that scene in Terminator where she holds onto the wire and turns into a skeleton. They show a lot of people get vaporized. But when I rewatched it at the very end, they're like, it's not going to be like this at all. It's going to be a billion percent worse. It was just like what they showed was nothing compared to... And they admitted that at the very end. Yeah. It was like this like Star Wars crawl that is like, this is all a bunch of bullshit, and it would be way worse than this. You know, because they survive a lot longer than they would, and they still look good. At the end, they're giving oranges to each other, and that shows that the human spirit prevailed. <laughs> but it was just... And then there was one about AIDS, which... You can't even get any more early frost, which was horrible. Ugh. It was just, you know, this is God's will and God's punishing you for being gay. And it was like very, very awful made for TV movie, but it was kind of presented the same way. 
I don't know how much longer you want to go, and we can go as long as you want, but uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about old George, because we haven't talked about that character. Yeah. There's actually... And I thought that... Uh, I may have it wrong, or at least part of what I thought is that, you know, bringing poor whites into it, you know, because mm-hmm. there are poor whites that are involved in struggles and people that lived in, like, you know, Appalachian Mountains, and there were, you know, oh, gr- yeah. groups of people that were like, you know, I understand this, and, and, and showing that in its inception. Right. You know, yeah, no, I thought that was really I thought that was neat. interesting. He shows up and is like, I don't know, man. Like, and I he just... has the choice to be like Sandy Duncan, and I don't think he does. Yeah. yeah. He sticks with it, you know. And it's also people like him that, is, like, I mean, they don't do it in this story in particular, but, like, anti-miscegenation laws, like, were rooted in slave owners' fears about this sort of, like, what happens when poor whites have solidarity mm-hmm. with enslaved black people. And, you know, especially if they're having kids and they're having families together. And, like, um, there was a lot of paranoia about that being, like, you know, what's, like, stu- stirring up rebellions and, and things like that. and And also it strongly challenges the the social order that makes slavery possible at least the racialized version system right yeah it was it was an interesting and, and i think important piece to add in a context where where someone does get to make a choice and someone does get to be on the right side of thing and they've got enough empathy they've got enough positional understanding to be like no 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 one struggle one fight i see this like yeah this is clear and i see the privilege that i'm being offered and there's a moment right because like they're they're all very scared and in a position where they're like look if this if this war kicks off the way we think it's going to like uh, people are might sort like this and we're really afraid of that and like we're afraid of you even though you've been solid this entire time and they have like that conversation and how they come back around, um, which I thought was really interesting. Um, there was a lot of interesting things in the character of old George. I want to say part of it made me think of, um, the story from Portland Panther, uh, Floyd Cruz. Oh yeah, absolutely. He, he talks about members of the white Panther party and they show up at the door. They're about to be, um, Raided by the Ra- police. raided by the police, and they come in with these shotguns, and they're like, "Where do you want us?" They weren't like thoughts and prayers, and they weren't <laughs> like, you know, we need to have a meeting about it, or you know, no, they're just like, "We're here." Yeah, we're here. Where do you want us? And it wasn't there wasn't a lot of that in Old George, but there was some of it that made me think of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, definitely when they're breaking away, there's that that piece for sure. Um, because you know he, he they do the whole setup for for Lloyd Bridges and his ilk, uh, yeah, yeah. But also in the the scene where the clan shows up, or the Midnight Riders, I guess at, at that point, <sighs> yeah. Um, and you know they're 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 taking him out, uh, Tom out to whip him, and oh, yeah. he steps in, and takes it over and is like, you know, not whipping him or like you know, missing or, or whatnot so that it lo- everything looks like it's, uh, 
it's happening so that oh yeah he was whipping the dirt or something yeah and everyone gets it everyone knows like what's happening he's immediately like i'm so sorry this is so fucked up but they're like no no like the way you stepped in right there like literally saved tom's life Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh that was intense that was another intense there's a lot of tear up moments in this miniseries oh there totally is i think that was one of them for me I also liked how they um, how they addressed slave owners, be, like white slave owners, being the the father. Mm-hmm. Oh, Chuck Connors. And like. And that not changing the relationship really at all. Yeah, and it just it kind of made me think about um, like some some black academic texts that I had read about how that that seeming contradiction or duality like still survives in um, like white people parenting black children now there's still like bits and pieces of that like you know, even though you're my child, you're still a black person before you're my child. Hmm. And it's like, it, it operates on a very subconscious level, but it's still operating. Like, that system is still alive and well, in a, like, culturally ingrained in us, and we're not even, like, consciously aware of where it even fucking came from. And, like, people... Like, white people who are parenting black children, like, have to, have to, like, form support groups and, like, consult with academics and shit to, like, root that out of themselves so that they're not abusing their own children on accident. Mm. And I, I just, so, like, that, that dynamic in, in those episodes was, was especially powerful and poignant to me. And I was really glad that they got that in there yeah and and how they got it in there too yeah it was very heavy because i mean when he calls him out as his father and it's like you're my dad right and he's like yeah and he's like yeah like how can you see me like this how can you treat me like this you're not gonna free me and he's like no you're making me yeah. all this money. You're like my prize pony. There's fuck you're a you. black person before you're my child. Yeah. yeah, you're my child, but you're a black person first. Just fucking. Yeah. It was interesting that like, and and this is probably goes back to the way that storytelling happens in his family. Like, the Kutakente story is is pretty full, but as they pass up from there. It gets a little wiry until Chicken George. Chicken George. Um, and then his kids, who, like, eventually do make it into freedom and, and, and get the, their land in Tennessee. But I thought that was really, that that was a little bit interesting. Just that, like, well, I guess mainly Kizzy's story kind of disappears. And maybe because, you know. may just be that. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't have much to go on. Well, no, no, I know, I know. For, it's for a... some of those people's stories, like you know, especially for the people. I mean, you see so much of like the 
family unit being split apart and split apart and split apart and you see that the family story gets more fragmented as that happens you know the earlier the child is taken away or you know like they're separated right they get less of the story to go with them and pass down I really liked the the part where Kuta meets the other uh, guy who is who's from Africa, like off the boat, and he's like drumming, and he's like, "I'm gonna fucking run, yeah, and you should run with me." And he's like, "That is the thing that I want the most in this fucking world." And then when it comes to pass, like he has a kid, he has like things that he's really afraid of losing. You know, and they show just that manipulation, like all these things that that anyone might take for granted, like are things you can't in that situation, things you could lose, things you that folks would who would be hurt in your if if they didn't catch you, just to prove that point. I thought that was really powerful the way it was portrayed. Right on feeling a little spent me too it's on this and that's fine i know we yeah. didn't talk too much about the slave revolt on the boat and i, I liked that and i had learned a lot of, of some of those facts and i keep going back to the fact that they spoke some of it i mean we just know yeah. learn how terrible the conditions were on the boat and a lot of that is just numbers that they say you know, we started with this number. They keep giving us these numbers, and this is yeah. what we end up with. We lost this many. And then even to be like, well, other boats lose this many. You did pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Lots of times the boats will come back with, you know, next to nothing. Well, and, so and like, die. the way that people thought about that. Like, oh, are you, like, uh, pack them in tight, or are you, like, give them oh the my space? God, like, right. what's your what's your, like, yeah. business operation plan to try to get as much product to market as you can? Mm-hmm. And it's like, ooh, Right, and we didn't talk about the fucking whatever, you know, 45, 50, 50, that guy. <laughs> yeah, the Annapolis slave markets. Yeah, because they did have that guy. Yeah. <laughs> 25, 65, <laughs> like, yeah, I think he's just saying gibberish. Yeah. But, yeah, just like the way they're talking about people like they're yeah. chickens on a chicken truck. Chattel, yeah. Which, you know. Go vegan, by the way. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Also, fucked up system. Yeah, it's not to okay mention- to treat chickens that way either. But like, but especially though, human beings being treated like a, just like, oh my god. I failed to mention that Todd Bridges uh, was in this. Willis, what you talking about, Willis? That's right. He was in this for a hot moment. Uh, Maya Angelou was in it for a very a hot moment. Real hot moment. <laughs> She just yelled at a kid. Also, <laughs> I keep saying Odin, and that's Ian McShane was in this. <laughs> uh, um, also, in a scene where you just see how fast someone can run, that was OJ. That was OJ. It was just <laughs> funny. I can run really fast. I'm the fastest person ever. Watch me. <laughs> also, Fanta's dad. Okay. Yeah. That was OJ. That was OJ. Yeah. Well, say something else, because we're not ending on OJ. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like that they kept that he kept like himself like his his personal image was like I'm a fucking Mandinka warrior. Yeah. And that yes. like Yes. That is who I am. No matter what happens, that's who I am. 
And that's, that's who the... you're de- descended from. Right. And that's who you are. Yeah. I'm, I'm giving this to you. Yeah. This, this bit of, like, what it meant for me to be free is what I'm handing off to you. I'm holding you in front of the fucking universe, and I'm telling you, the cosmic. only thing that's bigger than you <laughs> is that. Yeah. Take all your agency. Take all your space. You fucking deserve it. Yeah. Yeah, and like, you know, when we're kids and we want them to, like, machine gun everyone to death, they did the defiance that they could do and was very brave of them. Uh, when she scratches out Kunta Kinte's name or, or Toby's Tom, name. Toby's name, yeah. That was that was amazing. Uh, do you want to rate this? I'm giving it a ten. Ten. I don't know. <laughs> Thumbs up? Uh, yeah. Thumbs up <laughs> all the way up. You know, because normally spa- I like outer space thumbs up. I like seventies movies that take place in the seventies. I feel like in the end of this, they did show Alex Haley, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Not he's even walking in the down documentary, the yeah, they just show him. Yeah, he's like neat. just yeah. after they moved to Tennessee, it just sort of like speed walks through the next like few generations, and he's like, "And I'm here." That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> These are fucking my people. This is my book you've been watching about my family. Like, holy shit, I'm a real person in front of you. Yeah. This is not make-believe. That was neat. But it's also important, right? Drawing that that back to, this is not a story I'm telling you that's, that's, you know, an imagined past. This is literally what happened to my family. True. I'm moving this mic over here. I'm done with this heaviness. I'm going to take a nap and have some sweets. <laughs> <laughs> we, will, we will pamper you. Absolutely. Uh, folks, thanks for joining us. This has been a heavy episode. Really appreciate it. A little different. It. Uh, do yeah. spend the time. Watch Roots. Like, Give yourself some space and time. Get, get some friends. Have a conversation. It's important that we don't ever let these stories become obscure or unknown or questioned. Also read black academics like Patricia Hill Collins. Absolutely. Um, If you're interested in checking out uh, our other stuff, of course, or interacting with us, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook at a decade under the influence. Uh, Just by searching that you can find us on Mastodon we're generally where all your podcasts are found. We would really iTunes, love give us a review. Yes, stars, ratings and reviews. But like, write something to it. It's 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 kind, and uh, we'll say nice things about you probably. Um, I think we're gonna let it go there. Any last parting thoughts? Time to feed my cats is what my last parting thought is. They're fighting. Yeah, they literally are fighting underneath me. Uh, <laughs> all right, folks. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye.